Welcome to the first ever episode of Your Wellbeing Podcast, brought to you by the Mind Body Spirit Festival. In this series, we're going to cover everything from astrology to yoga. Today, we start with the power of hypnosis. Joining us to discuss hypnosis is the world's leading hypnotherapist, Paul McKenna, PhD. Paul is an international best-selling author whose books have sold over 7 million copies around the globe. Recognized by The Times as one of the world's most important modern self-help gurus, Paul is the UK's most successful non-fiction author. His books have helped millions, and as well as being a regular on TV, he also hosts Paul McKenna's Positivity Podcasts, where he interviews the world's most successful celebrities like Simon Cowell, Anthony Robbins, and Joe Malone. Thank you so much for joining us today and for having us in your home. It's in a London. pleasure, it's pleasure, very absolutely. Very good to be here, and I've really been looking forward to meeting with you mm. and to speaking to you today. Um, perhaps you can start us all off and with our listeners with a very basic question of what is hypnosis and mm. how does it work? Well, hypnosis is described in many different ways. Um, some people say it's a special state, uh, different um, from normal waking consciousness. But then, you know, what is normal waking consciousness? Other people say that hypnosis is um, a sort of social compliance, that um, right. because of the uh, pressures of, the, of the, the context of the situation that you find yourself in, you feel compelled to follow the suggestions that a hypnotist offers. Milton Erickson, who was um, one of the great clinicians who um, helped in the development of hypnosis, described it as a loss of the multiplicity of the foci of attention. Okay. That's very typical of Milton to turn an explanation <laughs> into an induction. So the best way to describe that in sort of user-friendly language is to say that when we watch the television, we forget about the carpet, the curtains, the sofa, we suspend belief, uh, disbelief rather, and we focus on the screen to the exclusion of everything else. So mm. something happy happens on the screen, we feel happy, something scary happens, we feel scared. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, hypnosis is um, a word that is synonymous with deep relaxation mm -hmm. and with concentration. Okay. I've kind of gone around the houses there a bit because there are some people who say, no, it's a special state. Some people say it's not a special state. And in a way, a lot of these descriptions might be helpful, but they're not necessary for me in order to, to do what I do. So over the years, the goalposts have shifted many times on what it is and what it isn't. But yes. um, what I can say is that it's an exceptional tool for helping people access their resources and so it's probably one of the best tools in the world, if not the best, for behavioral changes. So when we're a kid, we learn how to shake hands, brush our teeth, tie our shoelaces, open a door. Mm. And the first few times we learn to do that, we have to rethink really about it. And then after a while, we don't have to because it's automatic, because we store, if you like, the program mm. in the subconscious mind. Yes. And hypnosis allows us to communicate with the conscious and the subconscious. So if you like, the whole brain and so we can go reprogram behaviors or such things that, that we don't want so if we want to lose weight quit smoking get confident overcome a phobia that's how we do it by communicating with the unconscious mind okay so you're already talking about different levels of consciousness and the way they might be named or mm. described yeah is everyone able to access the different states of consciousness mm. through hypnosis absolutely yeah i mean some people say hypnosis is another word for thinking if you like right and so when we talk about conscious and subconscious the conscious mind is the mind we actively think mm -hmm. with the one that you know we're thinking talking to ourselves with continually the unconscious mind is the larger mind it regulates your breathing your blood flow it um forms the words when i think about what it is i want to say consciously the unconscious puts all the words together into a sentence and so you could say that the unconscious mind is our wisdom 
and creativity as well. So we can access all kinds of hypnotic phenomena all day long. So, so yeah, certain phenomena has been classed by psychologists mm. as hypnotic phenomena. But this hypnotic phenomena exists in everyday life. So say, for example, have you ever forgotten someone's name? Yes. Yeah, amnesia. Deep trance phenomena. Have you ever cut your finger and you, you didn't notice you were so involved in something else? Anesthesia, that's a deep trance right. phenomena. Right. Uh, have you ever thought, I wonder what that person looks like with no clothes on, right? That's a positive hallucination. Deep trance phenomena. <laughs> so all of the deep trance phenomena are available in our everyday lives. Hypnosis allows us to organise that mm. in order to either for entertainment, mm. as I used to do many years ago, or for self-improvement. So say somebody, um, you know, if I want them to forget, to feel frightened, you know, when they stand up in front of an audience and, and speak and remember uh, how it is to, uh, to feel good when they're talking to people that they feel comfortable with. So that would yeah. be how you'd organise that hypnotic phenomena for self-improvement. Okay, lovely, because that goes on to what I wanted to ask you next about how it feels if someone has never consciously or knowingly been hypnotised. Because mm. all these states that you just described are very natural. They're things that yeah. everyone listening, we've all experienced, and we don't think, I'm in amnesia or anaesthesia. We don't think of ourselves in mm. another state. Mm. So is that how it is when we're hypnotised as well? Does it feel extremely natural? Or do yeah. you feel yourself dip in and out of those states? Or is it can we stay in those states as <laughs> right. well? Right, okay, so yes. all day long, we are moving from neurophysiological states, one to another. So love, anger, apathy, fear, confidence, motivation, optimism are all states. And with those states comes an emotional experience, a certain way of thinking, a perceptual, if you like, a filter, and also physiology. Like when people are tense, they're in, in their thinking, they're all wound up and they're, they're um, um, stressed, their body will be, the muscles will be tenser, the the chemistry will be different. There'll be more adrenaline in the system. When we're relaxed, our muscles relax, our breathing changes, and also the quality of our thoughts uh, change. So if you like, the mind and body are in a cybernetic loop all day long. In other words, one is always affecting the other. Yeah. And with hypnosis, we can literally move from one state to another. So we can move from a state of being unresourceful, frightened, stressed, overwhelmed, into one where we feel resilient, strong, flexible, capable, mm. that sort of thing. And so the job of the hypnotist is really a bit like being a chauffeur. You're taking somebody on a journey mm. within their imagination, which yeah. is um, abstract imagery, um, emotions are usually the language of the unconscious. Mm. And so, mm. whereas the conscious mind tends to be much more sequential and logic and linear based, yeah? As in a left and right brain split. Yes. So the job of the hypnotist is to guide somebody through states that empower them. One of the things that we can do is we can imagine what it might look We can imagine all sorts of things. We can imagine what bacon flavored ice cream is like, yeah? In your mind, you can taste bacon, you can taste ice cream, you can put them together, right? Then the same way, what you can do is you can imagine say, a public speaking event, and it going really badly, unwind yourself up. As Richard Bandler says, disappointment requires adequate planning. But if you were to be using your um, skills resourcefully, you would imagine, first of all, you'd get yourself into a positive neurophysiological state, then you would take that state in your imagination and imagine doing those things in the future that you want to go really successfully. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we use hypnosis for is this sort of... Um, uh, successful visualization of particular things. It might be public speaking. It might be losing weight. It might be quitting smoking. It might be. Um, it might be sleeping well at night. You know. Right. 
So you've mentioned imagination a couple of times there. Mm. Um, does imagination have quite a big role to play in hypnosis or do people need to believe in something to be able to undergo hypnosis? I don't think you need to believe in it at all. In fact, most of the people I hypnotise are fairly sceptical, yeah, benevolently so. Um, imagination is absolutely a very important part mm. in the procedures of hypnosis, mm -hmm. be it for entertainment or self-improvement. Mm. And so... Yeah, I mean, when I'm working with somebody, say, who wants to, to lose weight, I get them to imagine what it'll be like to eat more slowly, put their knife and fork down, leave mm -hmm. some food on the plate. Mm -hmm. And or sometimes, like yesterday, somebody wanted me to get them to stop eating chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so I got them to think about chocolate and they got a compulsion, a desire going. And then I asked them to think about something that they're repulsed by. Right. And, you know, it was anchovies, I think it was. And so I said, I want you to bite into the chocolate and taste the anchovies. Mix the chocolate, the anchovies, mix them in together in your, in your mind, you know. Mm. And then after a while, the repulsion had knocked out the compulsion, so they were on an even playing field. And so there wasn't any... Is that any within one session, or is it something you need That to took about on? 60 seconds, that took. Wow. Yeah. And part of the... Um, one of the reasons I do it rather fast is because I want to show people that change can happen almost yeah. instantaneously. Because yeah. I, I hear sort of wives' tales like, it takes 21 days to change a habit. <laughs> I've seen people change it in 21 seconds. You know, I mean, I used yeah. to live in the United States, right? So we drive on a different side of the road uh, to, to the US. Yeah. And when I get there, I don't have to go and take my driving <laughs> test all over again. I just get in the car and go, hang on, it's the other way around. Boom. Well, most of the time I did. Yeah. A couple of times I went down the wrong side of the road. <laughs> That's a really great example, actually, and I think that will help people understand how how quick, you know, um, hypnotherapy and what you do works. Mm. Talking about that, how did you get into it? How did you become a hypnotherapist and what drove you into okay. the field of work? I, I, was, um, I was a radio broadcaster mm -hmm. and I was due to interview the local hypnotist mm -hmm. one day. And I'd had a particularly bad day. I'd, had, I'd broken up with my girlfriend. I'd had a row with my boss at the radio station. People in the apartment where I was living were keeping me up with noise. And so I showed up and the guy said, look, rather than me explain this to you, I think I need to do it to you because you seem stressed out. And I was skeptical. I said, you know, I was interested in yoga and meditation. So, I, you know, I wasn't... Were you practicing that something already? That's or... right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was already doing yoga, which I really liked, and, and meditation, which is in the same sort of family as mm -hmm. it was. So I said, go on and knock yourself out. And bam, <laughs> I went into this beautifully relaxed state of mind and body and all my worries and burdens just just left and I felt calm and I felt really clear-headed and I could see solutions to problems mm -hmm. I could again I was using my imagination right. I was thinking outside of the normal boundaries of the conscious mindset and in that moment my life changed and I suddenly when I came out of the trance which felt like it'd been a few minutes it'd been half an hour wow. I said I feel great he said, yes, you, you needed that. I said, have you got any books on this? He went, yes, I have a really good book by Richard Bandler. Brilliant. And so I went away and read that. Yes. And um, I was sort of interested from a self-improvement point of view. Mm. But, of course, I'd um, heard that people did it for stage entertainment. So I went and watched a couple of stage entertainers and I thought, I could do this. Sure, surely, I'll figure out how this works. And so I'd then be a bit of party and everyone would say, oh, yeah. Don't know if we believe in that hypnosis stuff. And I said, well, let's find out. Shall we close your eyes? And then, you know, a few minutes later, <laughs> we'd be up dancing like a ballerina or something. And, um, right. and we'd all fall about laughing. And I thought, well, this is a way to show people hypnosis is powerful. It works. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. So with that journey, at what point did you decide to use it 
to change people's lives, to move from entertainment to changing people's lives. Mm. And then what guided you to the decision of books and live events rather mm. than private practice? Right. So great sort of questions there. So I started doing stage shows. I began in a pub mm. and then the pub was got f- full within a couple of weeks. So I moved to a bigger venue, then to theatres. And I was working pretty much every night doing theatre shows up and down mm. the country. But I really, I became really fascinated by NLP and yes. by Milton Erickson and Richard Bandler, etc. So I was reading a lot and looking at, in those days, you know, it might be the odd video that you could see and that would be it, you know. Mm. So I decided to put on a training uh, with my friend Michael Breen. And um, people said to me, because it was only about 10, 12 people showed up. People were going, you've got a theatre with 1,200 people tonight, but yet you want to sit in a, in a hotel room with 12 people for the weekend. I went, yeah. I love it. Mm. I mean, what, what is it? I said, I don't know what it is, but I just, I really enjoy cheering people up. You know, that's my thing. And so after a while, I went to see Richard Bander. He, he was here in London. And I went up to speak to him and he's quite a formidable character. And I said, um, I said, oh, hello, I'm, I'm Paul McKenna. He goes, yes, you're the guy on TV, right? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And he, he said, I like your show. Because um, not all clinicians right. like stage performers in those days. And so we became instantly really great friends. We, um, we decided to put on an event together and I didn't know how it would go. Well, we sold out in about five minutes. It was fantastic. So we never looked back. Um, with the books, uh, I suppose where that came from was I realised if I sat one-to-one with people, and I do every, every week, I work with three people this week. If I do that, I can probably work with a few thousand people in my lifetime. Uh, having read a lot of self-improvement books, mm. I got to the point where I thought everyone's kind of rehashing everyone else's stuff. I've actually got something to say because I've been in the trenches for a while then right. and I've been working with Richard and I've been teaching seminars. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll write something. And um, I wrote a book called I Can Mind Your Broken Heart, which did okay. But at the time we were, um, we were doing an NLP practitioner course and we marketed it as Change Your Life in Seven Days. Uh, I came up with this uh, tagline, mm. where it actually was the title of the seminar, and underneath it said NLP practitioner. So whether you were into NLP or whether you just wanted life change, you'd show up. So it was a very yes. broad appeal. And I thought, this has worked really well as an event. Maybe I should do it as a book. And so I wrote it as a book, and um, I did something quite irrelevant. I said to my publishers, we've got to put a CD in with it. It just won't work. No, we can't do it. It's impossible. I said, no, no, you can put... There was, you could get in those days with a computer book, you could get a little CD wrong, yeah, yeah. right? And so... After much haggling and gnashing of teeth, they agreed. And, of course, we then changed the whole genre of self-improvement books. Mm. And the book was an international bestseller. And so I suddenly thought, even though I consider myself a talker rather than a writer, uh, which is why I have a little help with the editing, because sometimes my sentences aren't quite as good as uh, they should be. I thought, well, this is the way, this is the medium for me right now. So that's how I got to where we are today. And and I continue doing it. I mean, last year I did more live events than I've mm. probably ever done uh, in self improvement live events, and they're all over all over the world. So, uh, which is fantastic. I get to travel places, yes. meet people, do these events, transform people's lives. Well, that, that's the idea. Yeah, and then spend an hour doing selfies. That's the real work. It's the <laughs> selfies at the end. <laughs> you mentioned NLP. Yeah. What is the actual link between hypnosis and NLP? Because our listeners yeah. will know about both, perhaps independently yeah. of each other. Sure. Well, hypnosis is an application of NLP. Right. So neuro-linguistic programming is neuro-neurology, linguistic, obviously language, and programming, just like a computer has programs, as I mentioned earlier. So do we as human beings and these are habits that are instilled in our unconscious mind or subconscious mind. And so 
when Richard Bader and John Grinder were developing NLP, yes. they modelled really some really great therapists, communicators, thinkers, people like Gregory Bateson, Milton Erickson, mm-hmm. Virginia Satir. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they created the NLP models from these models of excellence, if you like, in their chosen fields. Okay. And, um, you know, Milton Erickson was widely considered the greatest hypnotherapist in the world at the mm-hmm. time. And, and so, you know, through modeling him, they were able to codify a lot of what it was that Milton was doing in his language patterns and, and other stuff, mm-hmm. and then introduce those into the NLP technologies, if you like. Right, just making it more accessible. In yeah, that's right. So basically, they, yeah, they could teach people who'd never done hypnosis before yeah. to be really good in a very short space of time. Right. Having said that, you are headed on tour with us this month. Mm. Uh, what can people expect from the live events, knowing all of this? Right. So this tour is called Change Your Life. And the way I like to make it is a dynamic event. It's not not a lecture or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's an experience. So it's like a personal coaching session with me. It's just there's 500 other people present. Yeah. So I I might ask who here has been through trauma. They can't get over it. It holds them back in life. Somebody comes and quite a few hands go up. Somebody comes and joins me on a stage. 10, 15 minutes later, they're cured. It's done. Then I turn and do it on the audience. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of very dynamic experience. Wow. You know, I'll ask people how they manage to upset themselves, make themselves frightened, and I'll show them how they can run their own brains mm-hmm. and be more empowered rather than sort of victimized or overwhelmed by their own thinking. So quite life-changing events that we're going to be doing. It's really powerful stuff, yeah. I mean, it's also, I've got to say, a lot of it's quite light-hearted in as much as um, I like people to laugh and enjoy themselves. Yes. Because particularly laugh at their problems, you know, because there's way too much terminal seriousness in the world these days. So I do like um, people to have a laugh in that. It's not a stage hypnosis show at all. Yeah. It's definitely an edutainment experience. Mm, which more and more people are engaging with now at the moment yeah. because it's, it's actually very important for people. You've got now meditation is a billion dollar business with the, the meditation apps. Yeah. You've got plenty of these great, you know, online courses where people can learn mm. about this sort of thing. The beautiful thing with a live event is you can show up and just watch if you want, or you can participate in it. Mm. It's entirely up to you. You know, I even though I work one-to-one with people, it's not possible to get a session with me. I, it's, I usually, if I'm researching something, that's why I you know, work with people. But if you want to, closest thing you can get to a session with me is to show up to one of these events. Okay, fantastic. That makes me really excited, actually. To, for oh, people right. to know that, yeah. that by attending these events, it's, it's the equivalent. It's not like they're getting anything less. Yeah. By attending an event like this. No, that's right. I mean, it's not therapy. So if somebody has got some mm. serious issues, yeah. they, might, they should get therapy for that. This is an educational change. Yes. But my definition of change might... Uh, it's a grey area. Some people would say it's therapy. Some people say it's coaching. Some mm. people might say it's motivational um, speaking. I mean, it just depends how you want to look at it. I, I personally... I put it in the category of educational change. Yes, because it's all about ultimately how how someone is experiencing that change as a result of of the way you're working with them. So I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion on the use of regression as part of hypnotherapy? And is it something that you also use as a practitioner? Well, um, sometimes you use regression for any number of reasons, present life regression, that is. And so you might take somebody back to Mm -hmm. a time when they felt really good Mm -hmm. to get the resources. Um, When I was doing forensic hypnosis for the police, I would regress people who'd seen a license plate for a few seconds so they could remember it. And so there are all kinds of reasons you might regress somebody. You might regress them to a traumatic time so you can recode it. Mm -hmm. So you make it so it's unimportant. Past life regression is, it's the theory that we have lived, 
you know, multiple lives, mm. and that through the hypnotic process, you can access that. Now, having dabbled a little many years ago, I have to tell you, I've seen some very, very strange stuff. I've seen people uh, speak in a language they can't normally speak in um, and know historical facts that they shouldn't have a knowledge of. Mm. And uh, there is lots in the literature that doesn't constitute proof, but is fascinating evidence. And right. so I think Brian Weiss's um, book is, is a very interesting read for a start, but also his message that perhaps we should think outside of the boundaries of normal science and, and psychology yes. and consider other options. Mm. Um, how does your understanding of behavioural science influence hypnotherapeutic well, techniques? Um, behavioural science is, well, I mean, it, 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 as, as it, you would imagine, it was, it's the science of human behaviour. Mm. And NLP is very much um, concerned with our behaviours how we might control them, change them, and indeed shape them. Mm. And so for self-improvement purposes or therapy, you know, you, you want to see why it is, uh, sorry, how it is somebody does something mm -hmm. and how it is they might change it. The other aspect of behavioral science is, is more of a social influence skill set. Because when people ask me what I do, I mean, for a while I used to say influencer. Because it's, I mean, that, that's... That's <laughs> word now. Yeah, so, I, yes, exactly. But not like a social media, well, you could say social media influence, I suppose, wouldn't it? My, my posts tend to be in to some extent but it's, no I used to actually look at how people are influenced to do any number of things throughout their lives but I've really concentrated in the last few years um, on the therapy side of it as a special thank you for listening to your well-being podcast we're offering a 10% off all tickets at the London Wellbeing Festival 2020 all you need to do is visit the website and use promo code podcast 10 only valid on online sale Terms and conditions available online. And you're known for the use of a technique called the havening? Havening. Havening, havening right. technique, right. Yes. So, yes, this is, a, this is a significant breakthrough in uh, therapy. It's, yeah, this is something new, isn't it? What is yeah, it's it? new. I mean, people are endorsing it. Justin Bieber just gave a massive endorsement. Mm -hmm. And so it's particularly helpful with trauma, post-traumatic stress, depression, uh, and pain. Mm -hmm. And it's what we call a psychosensory therapy. The other two well-known psychosensory therapies are TFT, thought field therapy, where you tap on yes. various points of the body, yes. and EMDR, eye movement desensitization routine, where you look up and move your eyes left and right. Um, but the new kid on the block, and by far, I think the most impressive, is the havening technique developed by Dr. Ronald Rudin. And uh, I, I was actually involved in the development with, with Ron, and um, he is uh, uh, like a mentor to me. He's an amazing man. Mm -hmm. He's um, a medical doctor, but he's also a PhD in neuropharmacology. So he's right. an interesting hybrid of operator and researcher. And what Ron has found is that by the touch of the side of the arm, so if you put your left hand on your right shoulder, your right hand on your left shoulder, and you stroke the side of your arms, that feels soothing. That's because when you were a baby, your mother held you and cradled you like that. But you are hardwired when you do this to produce more delta. Same if you touch the palm of your hands or if you move your eyes laterally, not up, as in EMDR, which is alpha. We want the eyes to move laterally to produce massive amounts of delta. Just to get highly technical for a moment, when you go through a trauma, a 100 hertz wave passes through the thalamus and phosphorates what's called the AMPA receptor. So it creates a physical, biological change in the structure of your brain. When you produce a load of delta in relation to thinking about something that was upsetting, it dephosphorates the AMPA receptors. In other words, in simple terms, it delinks the thought from the feeling. So you take somebody who's 
utterly traumatized, has been through the most horrendous thing, they can remember it very vividly. Mm. And you do a simple process of touching the side of the arms, palms of the hands, lateral eye movements, and within minutes, mm. in nearly all cases, that person will recode uh, the memory of it and therefore de-link the uh, extremely uncomfortable feelings from the memory. So is this quite an advanced form of, of hypnosis? Does someone have to have been through earlier stages of hypnosis in order to benefit from this sort of quite strong... No, 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 it works on anyone and everyone. And, and as I say, it's really fast and really dramatic. Mm. And it's... Um, Sounds like it works on the amygdala? It works on the amygdala. Yes, you get the amygdala interested before you go and, and do the havening touch. I, I should say that the one I demonstrate that's on all over the internet... That's the simple havening intervention. There are some more advanced forms of it that are only taught to healthcare professionals because very often these pe people, yeah, they abreact, which is fine. But unless you've seen that and you know what to do with it, yes, yes. it might freak you out if, you, yeah. you know, if, you, if, you've, never had, if you've never done any uh, healthcare work before. So this has become really popular with our forces, with the military and with um, police paramedics, fire, fire services. and um, Releasing. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not so much a release, it's a recoding. Right. And so where it's used widely is with PTSD mm. and with people who are depressed or people who are anxious, uh, people that um, are actually in pain. It's really mm. brilliant for things like back pain. Just, okay. uh, yeah. So um, muscle spasms, this works real yeah. well. And so uh, it's getting a lot of attention and I'm pleased about that because yeah. um, I think it's an extraordinary breakthrough that Ronnie has yeah, made. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Speaking about pain, <laughs> mm. uh, your newest book talks about love and relationships, <laughs> and this is incredibly your 19th book. Wow. So what made you decide to, to now write and talk about love? Or is it something that you've done before? Or no, no. I, I, oh, new? no, no. Because my, my views have changed yes. uh, in the last few years. About 10 years ago, my publisher said to me, uh, couldn't write a book on relationships. It's a very big <laughs> genre. And I said, well, if I can stay in one, you know, that would be, be a start, <laughs> wouldn't it? So I... Uh, I've been through quite a bit of a transformation uh, in the last few years. I mean, my life is a continual series of transformations. Mm -hmm. And I am not just married, I'm happily married. And so I decided to write about this because it takes physically about a year to write one of my books. But the research can be 20 years Absolutely. previous to that. Yeah. And so uh, there is a lot of scientific research that shows us why some people relate well and others don't. Mm. And so I gathered that because part of what I do is I take complicated psychological information and make it user-friendly. And so this book, The Seven Things That Make or Break a Relationship, is aimed at people who want to find love, people who keep repeating the same mistakes, dating mm -hmm. the same kind of people, and it ends in the same way, self-sabotage, etc. Mm -hmm. People who are in a relationship that um, is good, but there are some things they'd like to improve about it, or people who are in the greatest relationship ever, but would like it to be even better. And so I've cast the net wide. Uh, the feedback is really strong. I'm very, very pleased with it. So of these, I think it's interesting you make the distinction because, of course, many, many people are married, mm. but not many people describe themselves as, as happily married. Yes. Um, and of these seven things that you've outlined from your research, from your years of research, well, this yeah. is, are one of those things more important, perhaps, that you can share with our listeners? Or sure. Are they all equally important? They're all equally important because people say to me, what are the seven things? And I go, well, there's seven processes. Right. And, for example, uh, a couple of good examples, like in communication. Everyone knows that good communication will create a good relationship. Mm. But... They don't necessarily know how to go about that. And so uh, one of the things that I draw people's attention to is the research that shows that we think in three different modalities. We actually think, of, we think more than that, but predominantly three, which is 
pictures, visual, auditory sound, yeah. and kinesthetic feelings. But we will absolutely prefer one out of the three. Right. Right. So, for example, my wife is visual. She likes to see um, a present, like a, some roses, or an act of service, like me bringing her a cup of tea. Yeah. When, when I tell her how lovely she is and wonderful. Now, being auditory, I need to hear it in a voice that I believe that sounds sincere, mm. right? Presence, yeah, that's all very, very well, but I've got to hear it, mm. right? Kinesthetic people, you've got to touch them meaningfully when you tell them that. Now, these sorts of things when it comes to communication are interesting insights because visual people like you to look at them when they're talking to you. But us auditories like to look away so we can listen. And they go, why aren't you looking at me? You're not listening and then you repeat back everything that they just said to you. And so people will give away what their preference is in the predicates they use, in their language. They'll say, I see what you mean. That looks good to me if they're visual. Us auditories, we go, that rings a bell. Mm. That sounds kind of nice. Kinesthetic people go, we touched upon something really good earlier. And so in communication also, when people disagree, usually it's because there's an unmet need. That's what we know from conflict resolution. And so um, a communication where there might be conflict would be something like, I'd really like to go away on holiday this year. Oh, uh, well, I don't want to go abroad. How, why are you always so negative, right? Now, what is essentially... I think everyone has had that conversation. Yeah, that's right. What's the communication? The, the, the communication there is one person makes a suggestion about yes. holiday. Yeah. The other person makes a suggestion about not going abroad. But the other person then leaps to a personal criticism. Right. Rather than seeing that they actually, there isn't any conflict. The needs are, I'd like to go on holiday. Yeah, I would, but I don't. my need is I don't want to go travelling abroad, right? And so... When you go to the unmet need in a communication, it usually clears up any conflict pretty quickly. Mm. I mean, the other thing as well I could touch upon is that um, is self-care. Mm. This was a big turning point for me because there was a fascinating study into happiness done a few years ago mm. where the researchers initially found that people who were married tended to be happier. And so they concluded marriage makes you happy. And actually, that's not the case. It was that people that were happy in themselves tended to get married or to go into a functional relationship. Mm. So I think when I got happier in myself, because for many years I was happily commitment phobic, thinking that I wanted my freedom, you know, uh, not realising that I could actually feel way happier Mm. in a functional relationship. And so... I changed on the inside and the world changed. And yes. my message for people really is, look, if I can do it, anyone could do yes. it. <laughs> yeah, so with these techniques that you mentioned, you know, mm. it seems like self-awareness is a huge part of that. It's an important mm. step. Um, in any relationship, whether it's successful or not, we are the common denominator. Mm-hmm. How can our listeners improve their behaviour mm. to find love? Well, the simple thing for me to say is buy this book. You know, I mean, I, I'm sorry, there's no, I, I've, I put my heart and soul into yeah. this. It's a really simple read, easy read, and you'll have loads of light bulb moments. You'll go, mm-hmm. oh, 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 I do that. Oh, no, I do that. And then there'll also be, well, why don't I give that a try? Oh, that's yes. really interesting. Right. And so my job really, I suppose my role in life is to help people have better lives. Now, I can do that through, but the book comes with audio and video as well, mm-hmm. because people want me to pop up on their phone and tell yeah. them, hey, do this, do that. Yes. And so I think, you know, for a tenner or 12 quid or whatever it is, mm. which is pretty, it's pretty good value, that you might suddenly have one of the most significant um, aspects of your life change for the better. Mm. Yeah. Um, you have been in the public eye for a long mm. time and, you know, mm. 
how do you how do you manage that how do you manage people's reviews of you of yourselves mm. and your work how do you manage the pressure of being so much in the public eye and people sharing mm. their opinions mm. of you and your work well i think professional criticism or critique is mm. fine actually i don't mind that at all in fact yeah. i try and learn from that yeah. um personal stuff that's a, it's, you know, there's a lot of very mean-spirited people on the internet, particularly on Twitter. What being well-known has allowed me to do is connect with lots of people. Yes. And so there's, uh, like in any job you do in life, there's, there's positives and negatives. The positive is a lot of people feel like they know you. So yes. they can come up to you in the streets, hey, hey, are you all right, Paul? You know, can I ask you this and this and this? And I really don't mind that, right? So I'm quite a personable right. person, I like to think. Yeah. And um, the downside years ago, there used to be a lot of, you know, there were always people who were going to write negative things. And actually, generally, uh, people have been overall, if I look at overall, mm. they're pretty kind to me. So, I mean, everyone is going to have things said about them that are not true. Yes. Um, you know, that, that, whether you're well known or not. Which is very relevant at the moment with what's happening in the world yeah. and with regard to social media. And even though we're always technically connected, people mm. are feeling quite quite disconnected so. well yes because they're all tapping away on keyboards rather than actually uh, connecting with somebody in person but it's not to say that there's a lot of there is a lot, actually a lot about digital technology that's good you know um later on i'll have a conference call on my computer with people in two different countries and yeah. we'll you know knock ideas about and be creative plus the other thing about social media is that it does allow you to connect with other people that perhaps you might not have, or in, say, specific particular interest groups. And um, I, I do like that. As with, it, with, it, with all things, um, you know, there are some, uh, there's going to be some negatives as well. Yeah. And um, you were saying that, having, you know, you, you tend not to be as affected by the, by the negative things that people might be saying. Is that no. something to do with your positive mindset or is it something well, more unique to you? It's not reading the reader comments uh, on, 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 a, on an online piece, usually. <laughs> <laughs> That's Simon Cowell's rule of thumb. Just don't bother Just don't with the comments. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so is this um, a lot of the energy that people will be able to experience? You're going to be doing something for us at the hmm. Mind Body Spirit Festival in yes. London this year. Yes, I am actually i've been doing it for a number of years now it's always a great festival the energy at the event itself is phenomenal because mm. you've got thousands of people visiting and you've got all kinds of you know alternative health experts mm. you have you know all sorts of different life improvement programs mm. you've got psychics you've got palm readers you've got energy healers you've got all kinds of people and you've got you know people playing instruments and mm. dancing and stuff like this mm. so it's this dynamic vibrant atmosphere mm. and of course you have workshops within that and i do one on you know, it depends what the subject is um this year it's going to be on, it's going to be around uh, controlling stress you know, feeling positive, and also I'm going to be taking people into experiences of bliss and, and happiness. Wow. Yeah, experiences of bliss and happiness, which I think yeah. everyone needs. Well, yeah, I mean, it's basically a lot of people wait for something good to happen mm. to feel good. Mm. I say horse before cart. In this case, you know, mm. uh, feel good about life, and there'll be more to feel good about. Yes, definitely. And, and you, you are you're so energetic and so vibrant. And thank you. I think people that walk into the room knowing that they're going to be having a session with you are all going to have oh. something quite transformative happen. Yeah. In fact, what we might do is try and see how much pleasure a human being can stand. Well, it's a neurochemical yes. event. Yes. Yeah. A neurochemical event. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So sadly, we are coming to the end oh, of our of our chat, it. and we ask all of our guests to provide a short mantra or meditation mm. at the end of our session for our listeners. Mm. Do you have something that you would like to share? Well, meditation. Um, or a mantra. 
mantra. Or, or a, yeah, uh, well, do you know, my favorite meditation is Genpo Roshi's Big Mind. Mm-hmm. It's an absolutely brilliant meditation. And in the studies that were done at Utah University, where they would uh, have one of these brain image resonancing chambers, cost millions of dollars, you can't take any metal in with you, sit down, and this thing like Darth Vader's hat comes in over your head. And what they did was they, sorry, what they did first of all was they took seasoned 20-year meditators, map their brain patterns. Mm-hmm. Then they take people off the street who've never meditated, and Genpo Roshi sits in the chamber with them, and bam, they go to the same brain states. So he's found a fast track to glimpse Samadhi Satori. Is so, this a Tibetan Buddhism technique? Well, he's, um, he's a Zen master, um, yeah. um, and uh, is his creation yes. through uh, what he calls voice dialogue. But I have come up with a funky little NLP version oh, wow. of Genpo's. I mean, obviously, if you want to experience the big mind process, he, he's awesome, by the way. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, you should go to, to Genpo. But if you've got just, let's just do something over the next few minutes. And this is a very simple process, but it takes you into a profoundly relaxed and uh, wonderful experience whereby you let go of the self, and that means your consciousness expands. And for most people, it's an experience of the infinite. So if you make yourself comfortable... Should I do it with you now? Yeah, do it now. This is my interpretation of Genpo's process. And what you do, if, if it's safe and appropriate to do so, just close your eyes. And I'd like to talk to that part of you. We'll refer to as the controller. The part of you that keeps control. And I'd like it to continue to do the good things that it does for you, but just for now, from the background of your experience. Now I'd like to talk to that part of you we'll refer to as the protector, part of you that keeps you safe. And I'd like it to continue to do all the good things that it does for you, but from the background of your experience. For now. And then I'd like to talk to that part of you that we'll refer to as the evaluator or critic, the part of you that judges and analyzes. And I'd like it to continue to do all the good things that it does for you, but from the background of your experience for now. And then I'd like to talk to that part of you that we'll refer to as desire, the part of you that gets you things. And I'd like it to continue to do all the good things that it does for you, but from the background of your experience for now, so you can let go of all desire in this moment. And then I'd like to talk to that part of you that we'll refer to as the seeking mind, the mind that seeks the way. I'd like it to continue to do all the good things that it does for you, but from the background of your experience now. And now I'd like to talk to non-seeking, contented mind. There's nowhere else to be right now. Nothing else to be done in this moment. And now I'd like to talk to big mind. How big are you? How small are you? Is there anything you're not? When are you? 
Now I'd like to talk to Big Heart. The infinite compassion. And in this expanded state of consciousness, I'd like you to take any problems, challenges that you have and drop them into this and allow them to transform. Transform. And soon it will be time to return to normal waking consciousness with a renewed sense of optimism and deep inner joy as I count back from 10 to 1. 10, 9, 8. Beginning to return now, feeling really good. 7, 6, 5, refreshed, relaxed and alert as you awaken. 4, 3, 2, 1. Wide awake. Feel good? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That was really wonderful. Well, thank you you. so much. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today for this incredible chat. We've we've crossed so many different topics and, and subjects and it's really been very awakening and very insightful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was lovely to be with you. For more information about the Wellbeing Festival, visit mindbodyspirit.co.uk. I've been your host, Parvani Vyas, and this episode was produced by Josh Roberts and our sound engineer, Erin Milliken. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back very soon. 